I first met you because you started a Facebook group called the Ladies of Elite. Give me a little bit of feedback about what like the precursor to that was. Welcome to this week's episode of Hey Homegirl. Hey homegirls, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Today, I get to introduce you to one of Phoenix, Arizona's top real estate agents, Corina DeBlanc. Corina jumped into real estate in 2016 as the director of operations for a large team in her area. She learned all the ins and outs of the business and how to build a strong team. In 2017, she was so passionate about our industry. She went out as a full-time agent and went on over hundred appointments, closing 76 listings in her first year. In 2019, following the momentum of her amazing start, she started her own team and annually that team sells over $30 million of real estate a year in Phoenix. She is going to share her success tips with us today and how she manages to balance it all between being so happily married and having two amazing daughters. Welcome to this week's episode of Hey Homegirl. Today, we are so lucky to have Karina DeBlanc from the Phoenix Marketplace with us today. And she is somebody that I have been following now for several years and the impact that she has on her community and the other female agents in her marketplace and in the Tom Ferry ecosystem is just truly unbelievable. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. So I first met you because you started a Facebook group called the Ladies of Elite. Yes. Give me a little bit of feedback about what like the precursor to that was. Okay. So Ladies of Elite was not a planned thing. It just kind of happened. So basically I had gone to a networking event and I didn't really know a lot of people there. And I was arrived a little bit late and a, a lot of people were like intoxicated. And I was just like, this is not my vibe. So I decided that when I was going to the Tom Ferry Elite Conference and it was in Las Vegas that I wanted to make sure that I had a lot of women around me to spend time with so that I felt safe and I had people to hang out with and network with. And so I had just put a post out on the Tom Ferry Facebook group and said, does anyone want to go to dinner with me? And I had like 40 people respond that they did. So that's when I was like, okay, this is a bigger need. Like everybody wants a platform where they can make plans. So I said, let's just form a Facebook group. Anyone that's going for the first time or going alone or just wants to meet some new people, come on into this Facebook group. We made dinner reservations and just handed them out. And then we just all got together. And now we've just been continuing to do that for the past two years. So it's been an awesome way to meet new people and to bring new people in that are maybe like it's their first time. Maybe they're a little timid. They don't know how to network. And we just grab them and say, Hey, do you want to come to lunch with us? Do you want to come to dinner with us? And we meet some really awesome agents across the country. So yeah, it's such a nurturing way to just give back to the other agents across the country, I think. But it's also a phenomenal way that you've kind of used it to help build your own business, networking with all of these other women. Yes. And it's cool because it was organic. Like I was, I did not intend to build this to network and to have it impact my business in such a big way. And so I'm so grateful and thankful that this has kind of happened, but I've created a lot of agent to agent relationships and gotten a lot of referrals, given a lot of referrals. And it's just been really, really good for my business. So this year alone, I think the last time I checked, I had like 19 referrals that I've received. And so, yeah, that's incredible. And it's good for not only me, but for everyone, there's a lot of people that are getting referrals out of this, um, out of this network. So it's been awesome to just kind of see everyone kind of benefit in a way that we didn't even plan for. So, And it's a great way 
way, I think, to also just embrace all of the new women that are coming in to not only the Tom Ferry ecosystem, but even when you're going out to any conference, just to kind of put it out there. I'm seeing it at all. Like I'm kind of seeing it kind of like water down into all of the other avenues of conferences. There are more and more women that are stepping up on a Facebook platform or through email saying, hey, who's getting into town early? I would love to go to dinner. And it's just a great way for all of us to kind of get together and know each other. Yeah. We actually even had a gal in there that said, does anyone want to go on vacation with me? I would love to like vacation with another lady. So people are using it just to find people to connect with and hang out with and like-minded folks that are in the same industry. I mean, you guys have a lot to talk about. So yeah, we do. it's a great, yeah, it's a great way to connect. It's a great, like not to get totally off topic, but the whole idea of the vacationing or running like the small mastermind groups, because I know a bunch of you are planning on going to Cabo and maybe some other like destination places in our industry is very, very difficult for females. I, I think any agents, but primarily females to really talk about maybe ways to get ahead or the struggles that they're having on a day-to-day basis because you don't want to show up in your office and talk about everything that's going wrong, you know, mm-hmm. or in your primary office, you might not want to have to talk about the things that you're going to do to propel your business in a different way. If there's agents that worried are going to piggyback and rip that off. Yeah. I think the scarcity mindset when you're in your own market is definitely something that holds women back from connecting. And that is the wonderful thing about having a network of agents outside of your immediate marketplace. But I also think that the agents outside of my immediate marketplace have helped me to get over that scarcity mindset because they kind of validate me to say, even if somebody else was doing what you're doing, like it's going to be different. It's not going to look the same or like you can give this idea out to a thousand different people and maybe one will actually execute on it. So it's totally okay to share within your market because people aren't really going to execute it. And if they do, it's going to look different. So you're going to attract their people. You're going to attract your people. It's totally okay. But sometimes just having other people to bounce that off of. And I have 100% used this group to say, Hey, like I'm struggling with this. Like as far as just other women joining the group that are in my market, are they just here for referrals? I have bounced that off of people to say, how should I handle this? How should I be thinking about this? Like help me get over, like stop being my own worst enemy and like make sure I'm not letting my scarcity mindset, like allow me to make bad decisions. I have grown so much just from having other women to openly talk about that with, because it's something that we don't usually talk about. Like I'm afraid to do yeah, this. Like this idea of lack that's constantly in our industry or the idea of competition where the reality is just like you said, nobody's going to do it your way. They cannot duplicate you. They can't duplicate me and they're not going to implement it the same way. So the more of us that are out in our communities doing really great things for our communities, it's only going to bring better stuff. Absolutely. And more collaboration. And that's a hundred percent what we need. The men are so good at doing it. They go golfing. They're I was just thinking the same thing. You got four guys from four different offices and they're totally out golfing together and bouncing ideas off. A hundred percent, but the women don't. And so like, that is something we have to break down. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the number one reasons of doing this podcast and just interacting with women from all marketplaces all over the country to see how they're doing it and how they're rising above it. And the reality is for all of us that want to be phenomenal full-time agents, there's enough business. Mm -hmm. We just have to get up every day and work for it. hundred percent. And any business that you would lose is probably not business that you would want. Very, very true. I've learned that lessons many, many times. I'm sure you have too. (laughs) Absolutely. So several of the women that I've been lucky enough to 
to interview these last couple of weeks have all gotten started around the 2016, 2017 time period. And so that's when you got into real estate. It is. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. It is. It is really interesting how that kind of all lined up. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen or not challenges, but changes over the last decade that you've been in our industry? Well, I have to say I've been really, really fortunate to get into the business at that time because we haven't really had a crazy down market since I've gotten into the business. And I know like a lot of agents that have been doing it for a long time are like warning you, like it's a roller coaster, save your pennies, right? But it has been a great market as long as I've been really diverse and open to getting business in different ways. So when I got into the business, canceled and expired were my bread and butter because I was new. I did not have a lot of referrals or sphere of influence that was going to come to me and say, Hey, I heard you're a real estate agent. Help me sell my house. I had to build that credibility. And so that was the way I started. And that is a part of my business that I don't really do very much of anymore. I think what has really changed for me is just the source of my business, how I am attracting, how I am staying in touch with people. That looks so different in 2023 than it did back in 2018. That was a lot more knocking on doors, canceled and expired, pounding the pavement, cold calling. And I spent a long time doing that until at some point you've closed enough deals that that repeat business starts coming around. So now I'm kind of living in that beautiful repeat business, sphere of influence, agent to agent referral land that is a much easier way to work. Yes. But you had to grind it out for a number of years to build that up. Thousand percent. And it was started in Keller Williams. And so go through that bold training and we have to make a hundred contacts a week. And that was the way I lived my life. It was a hundred contacts a week. I'm making phone calls every morning. I'm knocking on doors in the afternoon and canceled and expired. Those were abundant in my market. So that was a really easy thing to target, but yeah, that was the way I lived for the first three years was a hundred contacts a week. And so when you got into the business, that's a great point. Cause like 2016 to 2000, really probably 18, 19, you had pretty consistent ways to be able to work that pillar of your business. It was there and you learned how to have really great conversations regarding why someone's house wasn't selling. Yes. Those appointments are a wonderful way to cut your teeth because you're typically going against other agents. So it's a very competitive environment. You're typically going against men, which mm -hmm. is a whole different ball game when you have five men that are very smooth talkers and you're a new female agent and you typically have clients that are burnt and they don't trust realtors because they've had a bad experience. Their house didn't sell. They had to take it off the market. So you're walking into this already knowing you have to compete this person is unhappy and how are you going to win them over and stand out against the competition and converting those appointments is extremely difficult, but the more you go on, you kind of learn what will work and what won't work and what to say and what not to say. And even how to carry yourself to bring that masculine energy, because mm -hmm. that's kind of what they're looking for. You have to have all the confidence in the world, even if you've only closed 10 deals. And so just learning how to navigate that, it really helped to propel my career. Absolutely. It was, it was the best start that I could have asked for. You really had to become a shapeshifter to be able to meet your clients where they were, depending on what day of the week you were walking into whoever's house. Yep. You got to read them quick. 
You have to understand who this person is, what's important to them. You have to ask all the right questions right away before you put your foot in your mouth. I always tell people that are, when I'm training folks to go on those appointments, like ask them who their last agent was before you start bashing their last agent because yes. it could have been their sister or their mom. Just all of those little things that you know that I learned through trial and error, but that is really, really important to like know what questions to ask and how to read people and how to relate to people, know what's important to them. And then to know how to close. And that is really hard, I think, for women, because we don't necessarily have that aggressive side to us, but to know how to close and to leave with a signed listing appointment or a signed listing agreement before they meet with another agent, that pushed me so far out of my comfort zone to say, if we've talked about all these things and you agree with me, then let's just go ahead and sign this listing agreement now so that I can get started with my marketing and not have them say, okay, I have three other appointments and I'll call you tomorrow. So that was hard. I'll call those people for you. It's fine. I'll cancel those appointments. I'm happy to. (laughs) Yeah. Do you find that it's better when you go on an appointment like this? Do you go right to the kitchen table with your clients or do you go on a tour of the house first? Always tour the house first is my motto because I have to gather all the things the previous agent didn't do that I'm going to do in order to sell it. And so I have to know what features they missed in the listing, every mistake in the listing, what pictures sucked, what I'm going to do differently and what they did wrong. And I can't know that until I've seen the house. I mean, like I might know that maybe it was priced too high, but I'm not going to ever talk about that because right. or the no one wants to hear the, the price right quality, too. things like that. Right. So I might know that I might know that they have the wrong school district listed or, you know, things like that. But I've gone on appointments where I've walked through the house and I've said, you know, your previous listing said that your house was 2,200 square feet. And I feel like this this is much bigger. And they say, no, my house is 2,600 square feet. We had an appraisal done. And, and I'm like, I felt like it was wrong. And things like that, where that's going to take you really kind of using all of your spidey senses to really mm-hmm. make sure that everything is lining up correctly for their marketing. Did you find during that time when you were building that pillar of your business, that part of doing that was also really getting to know what the other agents in your marketplace were doing, maybe not doing so well. So that if you knew that Joe Banana just had an expired listing, you could kind of tell, well, over his last 10 expired listings, all of these things weren't done the same way I would do them. No. And the reason is because my marketplace is so big that Mm -hmm. I was going on appointments everywhere. I wasn't limiting it to any part of town. I wasn't limiting it to any price point. So I might go on I went on over a hundred appointments my first year and the likelihood that it's the same agent was really, really low. So I didn't get into those types of trends, but I was going against the same agents almost every time because certain agents were getting those appointments and I would say, who else have you met with? And it was the same two or three people almost every time. So I knew my competition and I did study what my competition was doing in their listings, how many of their listings were reselling or were canceling and expiring. So I would have those stats to say, okay, well, you might want to research this because he's listed this many homes this year and only this many of them have sold, which when you're doing cancel and expires, you're going to have some fallout. But if my numbers were better, then that was a fact that I could present in my appointment. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We're not quite finished yet, but as the home girl of your hometown, I would love to pass the mic to you so that you can share your story and some of your secrets with the home girl community. 
To apply, please go to howtobeahomegirl.com in the show notes. What would be one piece of advice since we are getting into a market across the country where there are things staying on the market a little longer or expiring or canceling where we haven't seen that in the last couple of years? What's one, maybe two things you would say to women that are trying to build their business that way? I would say I actually have recorded a class on this. So I have a whole YouTube video that I can send them with like how to land the appointment. But if I was going to narrow it down to one or two things, I would say follow-up is key. And don't just call to follow up like everyone else does. Write a handwritten note, send a gift, have it couriered and delivered to their house the same day or the next day after your appointment. It will set you apart from your competition every time. So I think follow up, follow up, follow up and being memorable in that sense, because Although the majority of these people will list within 30 days, there's going to be a good chunk of them that you're going to have to follow up with for a year or sometimes more. Sometimes they'll rent it and then 24 months later. So make sure that you have a really good process for your follow-up and that you're delivering a gift. That would probably be my number one piece of advice. My second piece of advice would just be to really ask a ton of questions. What did your previous agent do well? What did they not do well? What did you love about them? Why did you hire them? What did they drop the ball on? What promises did they not keep? Understand all of those things so that you can give them that great experience that they want. Because there's so much more to getting the appointment, right? I mean, you still have to sell the house and you still want them to walk away and refer you business and use you again. So really understand them because you don't want them to be dissatisfied with you and have to go through the heartbreak of house didn't sell and now they're back in the same boat again. Really, and make sure you can deliver on your promises. And all of those questions too really help you navigate whether their expectations are realistic or not. You know, because we've all have had clients that we come into a situation and the client has these expectations that are so far-fetched. But if agents aren't asking those questions and then diffusing those expectations or resetting them, make for a nightmare transaction. So that's great, great advice. A thousand percent. I mean, you have to be able to fulfill those promises. So if it's something that you can't do, then I would say, Hey, like, I understand your concern why you want that done. This is actually how I do it. And this is how we get the result. And so this is what you can expect if you choose to work with me. That way they're not saying, well, market my house to people in Italy either. You have to make sure they understand what you're actually going to do. One advice. And what I'll do is with your permission, I'll get that YouTube video link and I'll put it in the show notes with all your contact information. So the ladies here can reach out and maybe pass referrals to you or learn more from you. That would be excellent. Absolutely. Yeah. And so during your almost 10 years in this business, one of the other things that you've done really well is you have a good home life. You have a good balance between marriage and juggling that and juggling your two girls. So how have you been able to maintain that? Because your market during that time has seen an uptick and it's seen different levels of business. And you've had to shift from being a solo agent. You were on a team, you started a team, you have a team, it's grown, it's shrunk, a lot Mm -hmm. going on. So it's always a work in progress. I mean, it's definitely not perfect. During the crazy busy season of 2020 and 2021, I was not the most successful at having a great work-life balance. (laughs) I don't know any agent that was really, (laughs) but I will say that what I've learned is that administrative hires are the most important hires. And having a good team around you, whether it's 
an employee or an assistant, but you can do so much with third parties, with virtual assistants, with marketing companies to handle your marketing, with leveraging different companies and third parties to help you to run your business and not take everything on yourself mm -hmm. has been the most important thing to give me work-life balance. The blessing and a curse. My husband is a traveling salesman. So he's usually gone Monday through Friday. It's fantastic for our marriage because he comes home and we missed each other and everything's great. So we don't have like a lot of the day to day, you didn't do the dishes or you didn't make mm -hmm. dinner because during the week I don't make dinner and I don't do the dishes and I rarely do the laundry. And then he comes home on the weekend. He's happy to be home. He's happy to do those things, do our grocery shopping, um, get us set for the week before he leaves again. So it's kind of untraditional in that sense, because I'm not necessarily baking cookies for the kids when they get home from school, but for our family, he really supports my business and what I do. He makes sure that I have what I need for the week. When he comes home on the weekend, right. he knows I'm going to be out showing houses the whole weekend. And then he just has dinner ready when I get home kind of thing. So that works out really, really well. I don't think either of my kids will grow up to be real estate agents because they say they don't want to work on vacation. They see how much work I put into it, but I do block my calendar for my youngest daughter is she plays soccer and we have practiced three to four nights a week, games on the weekends. So I block my calendar for those times. Um, I have to during the week because I'm the only one here to take her to practice. On the weekends, you know, we can kind of figure it out, but if a client needs something. I just tell them I have an appointment tied up with a client. She is my VIP client. And I just kind of balance it that way. But having showing assistance, administrative support, people that can do things for you when you're away is so critical to being able to have that balance. And I think sometimes we try to do it all to save the pennies, but the time is so much more valuable than the pennies. And I really learned that lesson the hard way, but now that's the approach that I take. Excellent advice. And I love how you said that you schedule in your daughter as a VIP client, because I think especially for newer female agents getting into this industry, it's really hard to do that. But we do this job so that we can go to the school recitals, so that we can get them back and forth to practice, so that we can be at the sports games. And when you look at them and you look at their time as more important than the client that may or may not buy the house, you're just going to be so much more fulfilled in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And are there times that I miss things or I have to call in a favor and say, can somebody else take her? Absolutely. You missed my brokerages award ceremony where I was being named one of the top performers of the brokerage because she had a game and it was important. That Those are the types of things that I'm like, award ceremony, it's great. I, I do need to go by and pick up that award at some point and make a social media post about it. But she's so much more important than that award. So we have to kind of think about those moments that we won't get back. And I think that one benefit that I have is that I missed a lot of those moments with my older daughter. And so I can kind of use that hindsight to make sure that I'm not doing the same thing again, but yeah, it's a balance. It's a struggle. Such good advice. All right. So as we start to wrap things up, what is one piece of advice that you would give to kind of empower the next generation of female agents that are coming into our marketplace? Okay. So there are so many different things, but the thing that always resonates with me as a woman is that we have the best intuition of any creature on this planet. And 
I think that we need to trust our gut and our intuition more in business. I think we're oftentimes told that's not the place for it, right? That business is a place where we are, you know, profitable. Look at your numbers, be analytical, time block. Is it in your schedule? But I think that we need to trust our guts all the time when we're making decisions. And sometimes if you're being pushed or nudged to do something that maybe you don't know it's going to have the right SO or the right uh, return on your investment ROI, or it doesn't fit into your schedule and you don't know how you're going to accomplish it. Or maybe it's scary and you don't even know where to start with it. If your gut is telling you, you need to do it and you keep circling back to it, then it's something that you need to do. And I think I've struggled with that. I just had a meeting this morning with someone and I said, we've been talking about this for five years and I still haven't done it, but I'm still talking about it is what she pointed out to me, but we're still talking about it. And so we're still having that conversation. So it's something that you need to execute on because you're, it's still something you want to do. So I think we just need to list that and don't shut it down because it's business, because those are the important things that are going to leave us fulfilled at the end of our life is did we execute on the thing that we felt called to do, or our intuition told us we needed to move forward with. It's excellent advice. And that's something that we haven't heard yet from any of the other speakers. So I'm so happy. It's something that you brought up because it's true. Use it all the time when it comes to our kids. So if you're a mom, you always know, grab the baby right before he falls or something like that. But for business, it's something that we don't usually implement as strongly. So really great advice. Well, it meant so much to me that you took some time out to tell us all about how your amazing business has grown, how you've not only used different things to build your business, but you've used different pillars. You have a different set of strengths. You give back to your community and you're also helping women on such a large scale across the country just by getting them to be comfortable meeting different females at events. It's just been really, really inspiring to see. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Happy to be a guest anytime. Great. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks at the Phil Jones event. Yeah, I'll see you then. All right. That sounds great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.